only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Space week is here. It's upon us. Don't really even care about the opponent because we just wait every year to see the brand new jersey, what it's going to look like, how it ranks to previous years. And let me tell you, this jersey is clean, very clean. Uh, We'll get into all of that stuff and the opponent. The opponent is a tough opponent on defense, not as tough of an overall team as we've played, but Still a team that is scary in certain areas of the ball. But again, the most important thing is it's Space Week. Welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Thank you so much for liking, sharing, supporting the show. We really appreciate it. We're trying along here in this 2022 college football season. Nights are 4-1. and one. Um, As always, Nick Geddes joins me on the show. Nick, it's Space Week, bro. We've been waiting I see you've got your clean your clean jersey on from years ago. How are you doing, and how do you love that it's Space Week finally? It's upon us, well, bro. Well, I'm doing great, Sean, because I'm a Space Game uh, supporter. Uh, I'm a Cape Canaveral Blue supporter as I, as I pan down here because we have to get some of this blue in here. Um, this is the 2019 version, one of my favorites, which we'll get to later in this show. Uh, with the constellations, but this Cape Canaveral blue, it's popping. Uh, I felt obligated to buy this jersey when I went up there for the Louisville game because I walked into the bookstore looking to get a hat, and I came out with a jersey. Uh, was love when uh, probably, that happens. Was probably a little happens. bit over my budget, but you know I felt very compelled, and I think the good Lord was was giving me a sign to get it. Um, so I did it. So I'm a Cape Canaveral supporter. I think next year when we do space jerseys. I want Cape Canaveral blue tops. I want mm. Cape Canaveral blue bottoms, and I want some kind of black crate, some kind of black helmet going on there. Uh, I think that would take the Space Game Unis to another level. And also, I don't know who I need to speak to. I'm a little disconnected mm-hmm. from the university nowadays, but I would love to pitch for the Citronaut to be the official mascot, and we can do away with black and gold. And we can bring in black and Cape Canaveral blue, and we can go back to being the Citronauts. I'm in favor of that, and I think I can rally up yeah. some people on my side. I mean, I don't. I think I'm good with the Knights. I think the Citronauts is a cool thing. I, you know, I think we should do more. Listen, I think we do one Space Week every year. I think we should make it like a two week thing. Like add an extra week or two onto the because. What's the harm in wearing the same jersey? I mean, I know we switch it up every week, but like these jerseys is, are nice. I mean, this is not the no fun league. We can we can wear whatever we want. 
Exactly. Who's and telling I us get no. in college football, you switch it up every week. It makes everybody like excited. It's a different jersey. I'm fine with you wearing the same space uniform two times a year. I mean, there's no harm in that. I'm fine with it. And this this year's is sick. And me and Nick, we're going to go into our our uniform ranking of the space jerseys over the last six years. There's been some good ones, um, especially this year's. I I think I like it a little bit more than Nick does, but um, UCF Twitter has been loving this year's jersey, and I love it too. We'll go into that in just a little bit. Got a couple things to talk about. We're going to talk about Temple first. We've got a new UCF commit um, that I think gets a lot of people excited, um, especially with signing day coming up in a couple months. Um, and then we'll go into our space uniform rankings. But let's talk Temple, Nick. I mean, like we said last episode, right? I'm not going to sit here and talk up Temple to a degree that they're, you know, SMU. I think you can look at SMU and say they are a lot better than Temple in a lot of areas. Um, but, you know, Temple's defense is pretty solid. But let's kind of look at some of the reasons why maybe we're not as scared. Obviously, we've talked about the Knights' defense, Nick, and we can go into it a little bit more. I said last week they're a top 10 defense in the country. I don't care what anybody thinks. I saw a lot of people on Twitter ranking the defenses in college football nobody watches UCF clearly when it comes to defense. That's fine. I mean, we'll get our day in the sun in a couple weeks here. But 10th nationally in scoring defense and number one in red zone defense. You're number one in red zone defense. You're keeping people out of the end zone. You're holding them to field goals or no points. I mean, again, we've ta- it's almost like a broken record, but th- this defense is legit, Nick. It is. I think it's a top 10 unit. I concur with you on that. What they did to SMU, which was one of the best offenses, two or three in the AAC, and totally shut them down, especially in the second in the second half there. I mean, listen, they're going to give up yards. I think we've already established that. UCF's going to give up yards, but they're going to keep you out of the end zone. And I look at this, I go looking into this game, the Temple offense doesn't scare anybody. I, they're ranked 125th nationally. 125th, okay? That's like out of 131 yep. teams, I believe, okay? Th- this is an, an awful, awful offense. And so people might hear that and go, oh, well, UCF should should have an easy time doing whatever they want. Well, the difference is, is this defense for Temple is allowing the least amount of yards of any of any defense in the AAC. So they're on completely different ends of the spectrum. It's the reason yep. why this Temple team has been able to be scrappy in a few games. Uh, you look at the, the performance they had against Rutgers, where they didn't go away. They didn't give up that many points to Memphis, honestly. They just couldn't score anything. Um, so, obviously got shut out by Duke, but their defense keeps them in every single game. But UCF's offense, I think they found something there in that second half against SMU. The hope is that it carries over. Um you know, you're going to have the space game. You should have a much better turnout for this one than what UCF had for the last game now that we're a little bit removed from the hurricane and, and some of that and the efforts to get everything up and running over there in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not. I'm usually not crazy about the Thursday night games. I got to tell you that. I mean, I think we were talking off the air. It's just the schedule has just been weird and wacky. I mean, a Wednesday night game, a Thursday night game. Been playing on Saturdays. I think we had a Friday in there. We're just all over the map right now. So I'd like to get to some normalcy here. Well, and I think the normalcy is going to come after Temple. 
Because then we just have Saturday kickoffs, which will help. But yeah, like the, obviously the hurricane kind of threw everybody off. But we've had a Wednesday game, a Thursday game, a Friday game, and I believe a Saturday game. So we've had a game on pretty much every single day that you can have a college football game, which is absolutely insane. And Gus was talking about it. Gus said, like, I like normalcy. I like a routine. And there's been no routine. Like, even with our podcast schedule, right? We record two times a week. And every week, it switches up. Because we don't know, like, again, the game on this week is Thursday, so we have to record earlier, and we're going to be putting out an episode after the game, and that'll go up Friday. So the schedule's all messed up, but luckily, and it will to be, be to UCF's benefit, especially after this week, right? Because you're getting Saturday games, you're going to get into a routine, but UCF has handled it pretty well. I mean, having to play on all these different days, they've handled it very well, 4-1, and one, the one loss to Louisville, we kind of throw that out. It was week two. They've kind of found a rhythm of more an identity, and it's showing. This team is a hard-nosed defensive team that'll put up points on you, but I think last week specifically, the offense kind of figured some stuff out, which will be interesting against this Temple defense. Let's start on the Temple offensive side. You said it. Ranked 125th nationally in total offense and 126th in scoring. That's terrible. Like, that is god-awful. Um, and their quarterback, E.J. Warner, son of Kurt Warner, um, not going to, listen, young kid, so we're not going to sit here and say anything. He's been, I guess, the bright spot of Temple um, out of the offense. But the problem has been he's not protected with the football. He's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. He's thrown six interceptions to five touchdowns. He's thrown 806 yards passing. Listen, there's no question. There's a new head coach. The offense has not looked in sync. When Whenever you're ranked 125th in total and then 126th in scoring, that's just a piss-poor offense. Rushing, they only get 2.7 yards per carry. Um, they've got two running backs that are capable um, in Darvin Hubbard and Edward Sadie, but they don't really get a lot of yards. If you stop the rush or if you, you stop them from rushing, then you kind of force them to throw the ball, and it hasn't been good there. So coming into a hostile crowd. Now, hopefully there is a crowd. I, I get nervous, like, especially on a Thursday game. I, I sometimes feel like, you know, and last week was, I don't want anybody talking about attendance. I mean, I think we still had 27,000 on a Wednesday. I think that's pretty impressive, especially after a hurricane to have 27,000 in that building. Hopefully more people show up. But again, it's Thursday. People work on Friday. I'm glad the games are moving to Saturday, but I hope a lot of people show up. But, Nick, what do you think out of this Temple offense? Maybe especially EJ, EJ Warner. Like, this is a hard defense. And this is probably the toughest team Temple's going to face all year, especially on defense. What do you think UCF has to do to kind of maybe not let them come in and maybe take them lightly? Like, that's, I think, the the scary thing, right? If UCF comes in just assuming, oh, it's Temple. We can kind of take the week off. What does Travis Williams need to tell their, his guys about Temple? You just need to put your uniform on, okay, over your pads, put your helmet on, in your cleats, and you just need to be in position. That's it. Listen, I don't want to be disrespectful to the Temple Owls yeah. here, but you are what you are. You are what you are. And mm-hmm. through five games – you use the word piss poor. I love that word. Thank I, you. I absolutely agree with that. And 
I mean, they've averaged 15 points per game, and they've been shut out twice. Okay. Two out of the five games. Two out of five games. games. That's Five games. Two out of the five games, they've been shut out. Okay? Yeah. It's not good. Uh, UCF's defense, we've talked about it, is a top 10 unit, I think, in the country. It has been the backbone of this entire defense, of this entire team so far, to be honest with you, which has been a little bit of a difference in the past few years. It's going to be at home. I think there's going to, I know you're leery about the Thursday game. Usually I would be, but I think because you have the space game theme, I think that adds a little bit of a, an incentive for, you know, everybody to get out there for this one. So I think it is going to be a turnout. Weather should be great. Um, I'm not expecting anything there, but you asked what should Travis Bullis, uh, Trevor, Will, geez, Travis Williams tell his team. Uh, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. What should Travis Williams tell his team? Just, just go out and be you. It just go out and be you. It's that simple. I mean, you're better. You're better than them. And this is a game, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. If UCF wants to get to their goal, okay, and they and they want to win this conference, and and that right now is the ultimate goal: win the conference and see what happens from there. It's games like these that you need to impose your will. You need to flex your personality a little bit. Get into the game and dominate. Don't let up, okay? Because I think UCF, they they put it on SMU, and that was the first time this year against it. I'm taking the South Carolina State game out of the equation. That was the first time this year where I felt UCF truly dominated in all facets for an extended portion of time. I guess you could say the second half against FAU as well. But I really was impressed because in the SMU game because of quality opponent. But I want to see them go out here against a team that's not good at all. And like I said, impose your will, flex your personality, show that you are way better, and and get out of there with a win, injury-free, all that stuff. So I don't really think it's all that difficult. I know I made a little bit of a joke there, but I think you just truly need to just put your pads on and go play. And, and talent will win out in this one easily. Yeah, and I think that's, again, the theme of the year, and it'll be the theme every week. Talent-wise, I think UCF has the best talent in the conference. There's no question. People might say, oh, you can make a case for Cincy. No. I said last week, I think Cincy sucks, and they proved it against USF. Cincy's not that good. And listen, you can say all you want about, you know, who we played and all that BS. I don't want to hear it, right? Since he's had one good opponent on their schedule in week one. After that, they played cupcakes just like us. And it's, in my opinion, we're the better roster. We'll find out in two weeks. But like you said, Nick, I think it's perfect. Like, no disrespect, but you put your pads on like you said. Put your pads on and go impose your will. That's as, it's as simple as it is. Um, I think... You, we can easily hold them to under 10 points, maybe a shutout. I mean, they've already done it twice, and I think, again, we're probably the best defense. We definitely are the best defense on the schedule for them so far. So EJ Warner's got a lot coming to him on Thursday, and I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, and, um, and, they've, already, and they've already played two other quarterbacks as well this year, and we already know the golden rule. If you have three, two, four, you got none. You got none, okay? He his daddy is not is not walking through that door uh, to help him in this one. Uh, he is not his. And I don't know if we even mentioned it. His father is Kurt Warner. Um, we did. Yeah. See, I don't even see it. There you go. Uh, shows you how much I'm listening to you talk right now. Anyway, I mean, but, uh, Kurt Warner is not not at all. 
<laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Huh. Kurt Warner's not coming through that door, though. So I think it's going to be a tough time for EJ Warner. And I want to see UCF get some sacks. I think I'd like to see them get some more pressure on the quarterback here. I think if I had to have one complaint on this defense, I don't think they get to the quarterback enough for my liking. And I think they have a golden opportunity to, again, like I said, flex your muscles, impose your will. So and, and get to the quarterback, and he's prone, obviously, to to turn the ball over, more interceptions and touchdowns through the first five seasons. So uh, theme of the game, it just I think it's going to be a very a pretty fairly easy night for the UCF defense. Well, here's a little stat for you, Nick, a, a positive stat for Temple. Uh, the Temple offensive line specifically, you, which would create a good challenge for the defensive line for UCF. Okay, uh, I'm listening. Temple's offensive line has allowed the fewest sacks in the American up mm. until this point. So through five games, they've allowed mm. the fewest sacks. So I think, listen, for as much bad as there is with Temple, there's a couple bright spots. And on the offense specifically, the offensive line has been a bright spot. So again, if you're looking for the defense to show improvement, I agree with you. I think... They've created pressure, um, but they haven't really got to the quarterback as much. This is going to be the week where, against a good offensive line, you can kind of prove and impose your will. I know we've said that three times now, that we should keep a tally of impose your will. But just impose your will on that offensive line and prove it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter you know what you've done in the past. We're going to bully you. And with this defensive line, I mean they can do that pretty easily just with the sheer size of the D-line. Um, so, yeah, that's the offense. Not much to go off of. They've got a couple good receivers. Jose Barbin is their top receiver, um, which Devontae Brown will probably be on, but not too much positive from Temple's offense. Defense, though, like you said, Nick, defense is good. Their defense is solid. They allow 16.8 points per game. Uh, 280 yards per game, which is pretty low. Like, that's really low, and that that's a good defense. Whenever you're allowing less than 20 in college football, I think you could say you're a pretty good defense. Um, they allow 130 rushing yards per game and 149 passing. Top players, linebacker Kobe Wilson leads the team in tackles with 34. I watched clips of him uh, from the last two games. Dude flies. I mean... You can say that a lot about a lot of linebackers, but Kobe Wilson can fly around the ball, and defensive end Leighton Jordan has four and a half sacks on the year. So, overall, good defense. Um, here's the thing. This is the perfect opportunity, and I know we've been saying it for weeks, especially last week. Listen, if the one thing we could say is they allow 130 rushing, 149 passing per game. This is how UCF wants to play, right? They want to be good on both sides. Running, passing, they want to be a dual-threat team that they can do both at a very high clip. This is the perfect week against a good defense. To in- oh, I was going to say impose your will again. Don't say I it. caught my... Don't say it. I'm not going to... I didn't... I said it there first just of all, to say I, I was said it. say it again. Let the record show that I said it first, okay? And You have and it you in my head this, now. And you've decided to, shocker to anybody who understands this, ride my coattails. Okay, uh, and, and, and jump on, and jump on my bandwagon. Uh, that's what's I'll, I'll say it for this week. I'll say for this week. I use the impose your will comment. Yes, that's. It, I love the sound of that. I just love the sound of it when it comes to UCF. I'll say dominate, 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 dominate this defense. Um, 
and again, you want to show that improvement, right? I mean, you just beat the hell out of SMU last week. Beat the hell out of them. Going into this week against Temple, like you said, the upward upwards trajectory, if you will, is going up for UCF in what they're trying to accomplish and what could be at the end of this year. Against a team like Temple, you need to route them. And you need to put up as many points as humanly possible to show everybody else around the country, oh, okay, I don't care who UCF played, but they're not only beating USF by four points. You need to beat this team into the ground at home and make it not a game by halftime. What are your thoughts on this offense and what they need to do this week against Temple's defense? I go back to the quarterback position every time here because I'm still waiting for John Rice Plumley to put two back-to-back, two, not one, but two back-to-back performances where I can come away saying he played well, he played good, or any, sem- any sort of semblance of that. Okay, we haven't gotten that yet. Uh, very disappointed in his play against Georgia Tech. And then he follows that up with, I would say, a decent good game against SMU, right? I would by say his a standards, good game. a great game. I would say a, go- a by pretty his good standards, game. By his standards, a great game. Uh, but I would like to see him put two of those together. And I understand that the Temple defense, for all the issues they have offensively, uh, for whatever reason, they've been able to play really good defense this year. And you highlighted Kobe Wilson uh, who is one of the best linebackers uh, in this conference, probably one of the more underrated in the country. Uh, and the Temple yep. defense also the Temple defense also has 20 sacks this season, and, and they have four guys with at least three. So it's not just one guy getting it done there. It's a group effort. And we've talked a little bit about this UCF offensive line. I think it's been better the UCF offensive line the past couple weeks, would you agree? I would say extremely better. Yeah. Like, let's, we talked about a little last week, the improvement from week one to now is like night and day. Like, they, I would say, are top, top, maybe top one or two offensive line in the country. I mean, they protected John Rice pretty good, and uh, the run game has been there. I mean, yeah. When you're rushing for 260, 270 a game, offensive line is pretty good, I would say. Yeah, and they and they've still, you know, they've allowed 10 sacks this season, but I think a lot of those came in the first, you know, handful of games, and they've gotten that corrected a little bit here. But again, it's about building on that. Uh, penalties have been an issue for UCF all year long. Not a well-disciplined bunch, as we have pointed out many times on this show. I don't think it's something like that is at risk of costing them against Temple. But, again, when you're facing a team like this that you know you're better than, you're never going to play a perfect game. But I really want them to go out there and at least have every single side of the ball kind of working as one, be in sync a little bit. Because it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be as close as what I think his coaching staff wants to see. Because, you know, there's big games that are looming, and we we know what they are, uh, Sensi looking at you. So right now it's about building wins, building confidence, getting growing better, all those good things. And I think Temple is a perfect opponent to do it because as good as Temple is on is on defense, I think this UCF offense has so much more potential in it than what we've seen. And I still think they can overwhelm Temple if they get it right. No, yeah, and imposing like making sure the Knights say it. 
I was so close. Oh, I see. This is bad. I'm now like, this is why I just want to see a dominating performance. That's why I'm saying like, I think what you've said with JRP, right? That's kind of what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm just looking for him to continue. He's had a lot of good games. He's only had a couple games this season where it's been down, right? I'm looking for him this game to just continue the upwards trajectory, right? Like I've said the past couple times this podcast, looks like the receivers are now, you know, not a lot of drop passes last week, going up, getting better. The routes are great. The throws are better. So I'm looking for him to have a better week. A couple things I want to see that JRP kind of show out and have a show-off game just like last week. RJ Harvey, can we please get yes, him in more? Please. I, I, I can't – can we not – Can I am done asking – like, he should not be the fourth man on the depth chart. He should be one with Johnny Richardson, and Isaiah Bowser should be red zone guy or flip carries. Like, if you're going to go, you know, Bowser one, then switch to Harvey the next, you know, the next uh, time you come up. RJ Harvey deserves more playing time, and I hope he gets it because we're going to need him for the rest of the year. Like, he's going to be very, very beneficial. And we talk about him way too much on this podcast. But he deserves to be talked about. Like, for as little carries as he's gotten, he's done the most with them to prove to this offensive coaching staff to put him in. Like, has he has he leapfrogged Johnny Richardson? No. Like, can we already can we say that? No. But I, the depth chart came out, and he's fourth on the depth chart behind Mark Anthony Richards. Which Mark Anthony Richards is going to be a, he's he's a good back. Like when Bowser leaves next year, he's going to step right in there. Um, and we've got a bunch of running backs next year. It's insane. But he needs, like, I am still, like, I don't know what the deal is. Like, I don't know. I get it. He had the injury. You're not, you know, giving him as much. But in the times that you've put him out there, he's just impressed with the way he runs. And, again, we talk about it every week. So I'm sorry if it's the same revolving door talk that we do. But I'm just looking for him, especially Temple. Get him in. Get him the Get him the reps. If you're up. By 21 points in the second quarter, give him. Let's give him 13 carries in a game. Let's see how it, how he does against Temple, who is a good defense, who allows only 130 rushing yards. Let's see it. Well, um, again, UCF though, again goes back to flexing your muscles. UCF is the fourth is the fourth best rushing offense in the nation. Yep. You're the fourth best behind Air Force and Army, who that's all they do. And then listen, then it's Alabama, and then it's UCF. So of the teams who don't run in uh, an offense where they're running almost every play, like like an Air Force or an Army, and I know Army's throwing it a little bit more, but you get the point. Yeah. You're you're literally just behind Alabama in that category. Think about that. You're only behind. I take those two teams at the top out of the equation. You're you're behind Alabama. That's it. So I think UCF in this game, the excuses to me are out the window, okay? If they struggle to run the ball against Temple, I'm not going to be pointing to the fact, oh, well, Temple stopped the run well, whatever. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This is an elite, elite backfield, elite running offense, because I just told you they're ranked behind Alabama in the country, the number one team in the country in, in, in running offense, okay? So I it, they can't get stopped in this game, and I don't think they will, by the way. I'm not saying this like, no, oh, they're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not going to get stopped. I'm just saying if we come here and they've only rushed for, let's just say about the average, like Temple gives up, I'm going to be disappointed in UCF. 
I'm not going to say, oh, well, Tipple just was a good defense. No, I'm not. Because I think UCF is just way better than that. Yeah. And we'll see. And I think the one thing we have figured out is, and we keep saying it, and I kind of love it because, you know, when you get in that like three, four yard line and you're like, what play do you run? I think the good thing is UCF just knows if you're down to the four yard line, you're getting in the end zone. Like, I'm not scared at all about scoring touchdowns on the four, which is perfect. I mean, that's automatic points. Um, red zone offense from a little bit farther has been somewhat of a struggle. I mean, UCF has struggled putting the ball in the end zone from, you know, 15 to, you know, the like the one or back from the 15. Um, but when you get within the five, I mean, it's an automatic touchdown for UCF, and that's all rushing. Uh, credit to Bowser there. Um, so, yeah, I think this is the week to kind of start to take off. I mean, you had the really good week against SMU last week. Temple this week, put it on them, and kind of, yeah, flex your muscles a little bit and show who you are, show why you're the best team in the conference, and then you got ECU, and that's a tough matchup, and we'll go into that, but, I mean, you've got two tune-up games, and when I say tune-up, I don't mean cakewalks. I mean, get everything, get all your ducks in order, and ducks in line, and get ready, because... That game against Cincinnati is your season. I don't care. Like, throw out the games against Memphis and Tulane. I get those are tough. That's the game. That's the game that's going to decide your season right there. And that's coming up. And we'll we talk about it. We're going to talk about it up until then. Um, and we've got some special stuff planned for that week too, because um, that's a huge week for us. But um, Temple this week, it should be fun. We'll go into our predictions after our next couple topics. Um, let's go into these pretty quickly. Um, as you know, Nick, um, we don't need to go into huge discussion on recruiting and all that jazz. Um, that'll be more in the next couple weeks when players start to actually say when they're going to sign. I think, I don't know when the national signing day is. I know it's in November, I believe. Um, so that's when we'll get the official signees for UCF, um, but UCF's got a great class, and they just added a commitment in Randy Pittman. Uh, his nickname is Grenade, so that's always an, uh, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Rob texted us that. Um, I didn't even see his Twitter handle. I said, oh, okay, that's an interesting nickname. Um, so he is a stud. I watched his highlights. He was previously committed to Florida State, decommitted, He's kind of been crystal ball to UCF the last couple months. Um, he said he was going to commit um, this week, like two months ago. He said, oh, this is my commitment date. It's his 18th birthday. Listen, plays basketball. Averages like 13 uh, in basketball. He got snaps at tight end, wide receiver, running back, and fullback. So plays everywhere on the offense. But he's a three-star tight end. He's rated four-star on rivals. So... Again, take that for what you will. Again, the stars are kind of meaningless to a degree, um, but noted he was a four-star on one of the major um, recruit, recruiting sites. Um, but I think huge pickup for UCF in the sense of the tight end game. I know, especially this year, you know, having Kamari Gamble, um, he's kind of slumped the last couple weeks, not getting as many targets, but having a especially good run-blocking tight end for Gus Malzahn offense is huge. And having a guy that can go get the ball and 
you know, yak. That's important. And this guy looks like he's that type of guy. He's probably one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end um, commitment that we've gotten from a kid out of high school, tight end-wise. So, again, Gus Malzahn and all of the coaches on the coaching staff really doing an amazing this recruiting cycle. So, just give me your take on Randy Pittman and uh, what he could bring to UCF if he sticks with the commitment. Yeah, I knew he'd be a high priority for Gus Malzahn because uh, he's looking towards his future here. Gus Malzahn is in his tight end room. And if you recall, uh, the twenty two class, 2022 class, he brought in Grant Stevens, another tight end. And Gus Malzahn's offense is really a lot of the packages he runs. You see Holler and Gamble out there uh, at the same time, and especially in that kind of – in these running sets. And, and, and what – and what Pittman's going to bring is is he kind of gets into that H-back role, right? You know, which is going to – he's kind of, you know, on the hip of the offensive tackles, what they would kind of call it. And I think that's exactly what Gus Malzahn wants to have in, in the future whenever they have to move on from Holler and Gamble to graduation and things like that. So I think yeah. this move is big in getting that tight end room of the future. And also, you know – he was committed to FSU, and regardless of where FSU is as a program, I know they're a little bit more higher this year than they were in the last few years. It's still Florida State, and when you're UCF, when you're able to take a commitment away from one of those big three schools, whatever you know, big whatever, call it big four, big three, you know what I mean. When you're able to take one of those away, I think that still means something, and it should mean something. That's a good thing. So. Uh, I think it is a highly anticipated recruit, no matter what the stars are. Uh, and I was impressed with the body size, 6'1", 240 at tight end. I mean, he looks like he's already grown in. And he'll, and he'll probably get even yeah, bigger. Yeah, he looks like a big boy. I mean, but he's he looks like he's big. already grown into it a little bit. So you make the transition to the Big 12. Uh, UCF's going to be playing a lot more physical teams, bigger, athletic, stronger, faster. You need guys that are that have those big bodies and are ready to go. So I think that also made him pretty desirable for Gus Malzahn. So a good a good get overall, and I think it just it caps off to me the best four or five months in the history of this program recruiting wise. Oh no question, and there's still more guys. Like there are still guys that have not committed that are going to commit. Which for only eight guys committing so far and having the best overall class in your program's history. And listen, the big tw- going to the Big 12 is the main reason. I mean, I'm still thinking we could have got some of these guys staying where we're staying. You don't get some of the guys we're getting, like the John Walkers of the world, uh, without going to the Big 12. So, Randy Pittman, big get. And hey, maybe uh, UCF can snag another FSU commit in Goldie Lawrence. That's been kind of big wide receiver really want him so hopefully he can commit to UCF and we can get two former Florida State commits to flip over to the Knights um, we'll talk again we're going to be talking recruiting a lot especially after the season's over um, but more so once these guys officially sign and we can kind of go over that's a whole episode in itself with some of these guys so um, we'll talk more recruiting but figured he just committed last week so um, talk about him really quick the time you guys have all been waiting for, clearly, space uniform rankings. When the the uniform this year came out, we all were on a text chain together, and we kind of did our own rankings without even thinking about it. Um, listen, we can go 
I'll go first. All right, I'm going to put my list down below of my order. And sometimes it's hard to remember. There's six jerseys. So for my number six, okay, I think it's the same thing for literally everybody. If I'm not, like, almost every single person has the 2017 at sixth. And I think, listen, it's like the it was the first year you did it. You're you're figuring it out. Not that it's bad. It's just the worst of the six. And I don't, no disrespect to to that jersey, right? It's it's mid. It's okay though, right? It gets better. Um, my number five. No disrespect again. All these jerseys compared to some other jerseys in college football. I think we can all say these are top tier jerseys that programs would love to have. Number five. I'd go last year's 2021. I didn't like it. I didn't like the white. I didn't like how the jerseys came out uh, or the numbers. I didn't. That was my biggest gripe. I didn't like the numbers on the jersey. Not terrible, but just not as good as the others. I have that number five. My number four is the 2019s. Okay. Better. Better than, you know, again, you could clearly see I just am not a fan of the white as much. I kind of like the darker shades of colors. I love the USA on the pant leg. I like that a lot, but that's my number four. My number three is the 2020. Now, some would put that higher. I actually had to flip-flop two. I had it at one, and then I moved it to three. Um, I like the 2020s. Again, it's that gray... I love the number, the black number, the the black sleeves with the it it all works for me. I love that jersey. If I were to get a jersey cuz they were selling the 2017, 2018, 2019 and 2020, I was going to get the 2020. I was like I love that jersey. Number 2, I'm going to rank this year's 2022 at my number 2. I love this jersey. It could be number 1 on my list after the game. I need to see the players wear it. And how it looks on the field. I love the dark shade. You know it's the darkest. Nick, did you know this? I'll give you. I'll give you a, another stat. You, Ooh, you here's a, a uniform stat. Uniform stat. It is the darkest shade of black that UCF has ever worn on a helmet. The darkest Ooh. shade of black. It looks cool. It's like it, it kind of looked like some. Don't want to compare to BYU, but. It's that hell. It like has the black, and then it kind of has that shade of blue at the end. Love that look. This might be the best one we've done, and I just need to see it on the field Thursday. But I, uh, it might be better. And then my number one is the 2018s. I think I'm just a sucker for black. I mean, you see it. I've had black in the background. I wear black almost every week. The 2018s with the blue stripe through the middle of the helmet. The clean black look with the gray number. I'm sorry, it's mwah. It's like perfection. I love it, and I love the dark colors. That's just me. Nick, I know that I have your list, mm-hmm. but tell the audience what is your top six. Go from 6-1. It's already up on the screen, but yes. I think this will bring the most debate that we've ever had on this show, to be completely fair. Yeah, uh, number six for me... We are in total agreement. The 2017. Uh, it's just if you didn't tell me it was a space uniform, I wouldn't have known. I would agree. I wouldn't have known. Okay, so 
that for that reason and that reason alone, just a little bland for me. The black on white, nothing really going on there. That's six. Number five to me, and again, this was fairly easy. Twenty twenty one. I'm I am completely in agreement there. And I and I, you know, what's crazy is I can't even figure out what it is that I don't like. I I don't know. I just I'm not crazy about the number. For yeah. whatever reason, I think it's just a little. I think there's a lot of dead space. Let me Bulky. just put it that way. There's a lot of dead space. It's very white. It's very white. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. There's something not off. There's something a little off with it for me. Uh, number four. Number four. Maybe unpopular opinion, but I had 2022, one that just came out. You're very unpopular. Hours for this podcast. I know I'm unpopular. There's one main problem I have with this jersey. One. And honestly, it's the only thing holding it back for me from being to one. I don't like that it says Space U. I don't. I think it looks obnoxious on the front of this jersey. I, 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 by the way, I'm not saying it just because it says Space U. It could say Knights. It could say UCF. I don't like – I'm just his personal preference. I don't like any type of watermark logo going completely across the chest this big. I don't like yeah. it. It's bringing like, like you know those god awful Michigan State jerseys they came out with last year. It's giving me that vibe, yeah, of having that watermark across. So that's that one thing is like I don't know what you'd put. I almost would prefer to have just a Citronaut head, just kind of chilling there, like kind of how you got here. And it would have been yeah. Okay and I, with I, I'll me. agree with you. It, it, Less is out more. Out of the sometimes. whole entire jersey, out of the whole entire jersey, that might be the worst part of it. But it's. I don't find too much of a problem, and but I understand I'm, I'm looking, your gripe. Yeah, and I'm looking deeper. They do have the Citronaut head. It's very hard to see. Yeah. It's right here. The one thing about this, this helmet, especially the back of the helmet, is, unbe- is unbelievable. I mean, those those little logos they've made, um, I, lo- I love the pants here. So, so the logos right now, on the back of the helmet... The logos yes. are all six of the pendants. The, yeah, the missions. It, yeah, the missions. Yes. So if you're if, like, there's four players that I think have played in all of them. So they put the pendants on the back of the helmet based yeah. off of which game you played in or games you've played in. Yeah. So there's only like four players that get all six, but that was, I loved that touch. Very that cool. That touch was like. And beautiful. I tell you what pops out about this jersey, and this is why I'm saying this right now, but if I see it on the field, it might change. There's a lot of Cape Canaveral blue here. And yes, the black, and the black like on the blue. It's clean. I'm starting to like it more that I look at. It. Oh, see, I'm not gonna lie to you. This number, I was trying to see where have I seen this number before, and I've identified it. Um, I don't know if I could get it if I could show it through my phone here. Maybe hold up. I might be able to if I could find a good picture of it. Here we go. For our audio listeners, unfortunately, yeah, you can't. I think YouTube. I found where this font is from. Uh, that is the oh, that's not good. But you can kind of tell I this is the Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. This is it reminds me of this font. I feel like they definitely got the they. I feel like they got the font for reference. For reference, right here. I think it's very similar. Um, similar, yes, very similar. So again, it's Nike. I'm sure they got the same template. But I digress. Uh, so that's yep. number four potential to move up. The more I look at it here. Uh, number three, number three is uh, 2018, and that is the one that you had number one. Um, yeah. 
there again, I think it's because I saw this jersey in, in the store, and I got to tell you, I wasn't really impressed with it when I saw it in the store. I, I just, I, I really was not. There was something about it. Um, I'm not as big of a fan as the of the gray of the gray number as you are. If you put a little Cape Canaveral blue on there, I think <laughs> I would have been I would have been gung ho for this thing. But a uh, good helmet. Uh, but I, I'll put it there. I, lo- I mean, I love all blackouts, so that's what's going to keep it right there at the top of the rankings anyway. So I'll have it at three. Okay. Number two is what I'm wearing right now, the 2019, which, again, I already told you the, the all white, it is what it is, but it's the helmet for me. This helmet is is something special. It really is. The, the crater helmet is, I think, one of the all-time college football helmets that I've ever seen. The creativity there. Uh, it was great. If I recall, that was a that was a hot afternoon game against Houston, a nooner yeah. that they wore these things. Uh, I can't even remember. Did they win or lose that game? I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I, I they won. Yeah, because UCF doesn't lost? UCF doesn't lose at home, so they won That's that. Right. Game. Well, I don't know if they've lost on a space game uniform. No, they, they haven't. That's what I was trying to think. I don't think they lost a space game. Uh, That's a stat. So no, that's number two, and then uh, that leaves number one, and that's the 2020, um, and that is that's the gray. I yeah. am I'm a sucker for the gray, uh, especially UCF when they had that gray uniform. They were kind of wearing off and on the light gray, which I feel like they've done away with now, which I'm disappointed in that because yeah. I that that uniform they wore that combo against Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl, if you recall, that light mm-hmm. gray black and the black helmet. I think that was one of their best looks in my opinion, but right here, the all black helmet with the gray on gray with the black number, it popped. Um, I, I covered that game and that's why I'm a little partial to it as well. Uh, that was a beat down against Tulane, if I recall. So that is my number one, but over nothing, nothing bad. I'm 2017. Like I said, I don't even know if I even call that a space game uni, but nothing, nothing out of the, out of the, uh, that are egregiously bad here. All very good to, to amazing. Yeah. And so pretty much our, our list is actually more similar than we like. We have the same five and six, and all we did was flop our two and four and one and three. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, pretty similar. All in all, like that's what I'm saying. I want to see how it looks on the field this this year's because I think it's going to look nice with your Cape Canaveral blue. Yeah. Um, and who knows? I would have to think in a year or two they just go all blue. I mean, that's got to be Please. the next the next Please. color. That's got to be it. Like. It's not even a question now. They're like throwing a little hint, like a little a little dabble into the blue. And I think next year they probably go all out, like yeah. all out. Um, but I'm excited. I think we're all excited. The space, you know, UCF is space U. I don't want, you know, I know that there's, people you know, are saying those Purdue. Couples. Where Where the hell did Purdue Absolutely come from? absurd. Where did that come absurd. from? Absurd. I have no idea. It's like space we actually things can are in see. Purdue. But like. I think all of a sudden, like, they try to take it. Like, as soon as we made it cool, every school is now trying to have, like, a space theme. And it's yeah. like, we can actually see launches from our stadium. Like, how – it doesn't compute to me. Purdue, you know, again, you can – like, they have a great a great thing going on over there. But don't try to take a space theme. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's absurd. Um, right. We're space you. Space you yeah. for sure. Are you ready to make all these right. picks? Yeah, let's make these picks. Um, what? Give your pick on the game first in your final score, and I think the spread at the time we're speaking it's, is twenty three and a half. Yeah, it's twenty three, and 
It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. And I'm sitting here thinking. I like I think, the first half. The yeah, first half's I'm, 14 and a half or 15 I'm just, and a half. I'm like, I like the first cover half. 23. Mm. I'm being bold today. I'm Ooh. being bold because I already had a, I already had an, uh, a score in my mind. That I, I was like, I was dead set on today. And I shouldn't waver from that. I shouldn't get blinded by the score. I'm not even a better. So what am I even? What am I even freaking out about? Um, I'm gonna write down my score right now, just in case it's the same. I think UCF puts up 34 on offense. Okay. 34 on offense in some way or fashion. I'm not saying they're gonna get four touchdowns and two field goals. They very well may. They uh, very. They very well may. But I, I think they're gonna get there at some point. If it's that or another way, 34 points. And I think they're going to concede one touchdown. So 34 to 7 is my final. And I'm not a math major. I'm a journalism major. Is that more than 23 points? You tell me. I'm also not a math major. You said 34 to 7. 7. What is that? So that's 28. That's 27, right? No, now you're messing me up. 27. You're worse than I am. So that's less, or that's more. So yeah, that would cover. So So there you go. I'm being bold today. Well, I'm being seven. more bold. I'm Ooh. being a little bit more bold. I've had this score in my head for the last couple days. Again, I am thinking what I want to happen in the sense of what will look good and also kind of just the trajectory we're on, what I think. I also agree that I think we allow a touchdown. So I, I'm giving Temple seven points that I think. I say the final score is 42 to 7. That's kind of, I think we're going to do a little better on offense, but I also agree because, and I wouldn't even be shocked if it's the same thing as every week where we allow a touchdown in the first five minutes. Defense, the Temple will go down the field and score on us. I wouldn't be shocked, um, but they stop them the rest of the game. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, and a chance to kind of have our offense flex their muscles. Um, I would also bet. So if I'm betting, I'm betting minus 23 and a half. And then I love. I I love more than the 23 and a half. I love the first half favorite. We're favored by 15 and a half in the first half. At like, I think you can get it like at plus 150. I like that. I think we're going to come out. We're not like usually you'd say, oh, UCF has been a second half team in the season. I think this game, it's a route in the first half, and you're going into halftime with a 28 7 lead. That's what I'm foreseeing. So if you were to listen to me, I'd say take first half points, uh, first half 15 and a half. Um, and then if you want to be bold like me and Nick today, take that 23 and a half. Uh, spread all right nick any final thoughts before the game against temple like i said i'm very excited to see these uniforms on the field i think that's what i'm looking at more than anything other than the result because i really don't think the result's going to be in much doubt in this one uh maybe i'm having too much confidence i don't know i'm just feeling kind of bold tonight so like i said the more i look at this uniform on my phone i probably need to stop looking at it the more I'm falling in love with it a little bit, I can't. I just said that after I, I feel like I ripped it a new one earlier at first. I know first sight. I just don't like that watermark, man. I just don't like that watermark, but I might like it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. 
Uh, let's just get this game in. And like I said, I don't know if I even said it here, but the good thing about these Thursday night, this Thursday night game, I don't have to watch Thursday night football because Thursday huh. night football last week was one of it set football back about fifty years. It was a it was a travesty yep. to have to watch mm-hmm. and to write about. In, in my case, and and this week, the quarterback matchup is Justin Fields versus versus Carson Wentz. It's, okay, Bears and the Commanders. Wow. I am very glad I don't have to watch that. In fact, just so I'm not tempted, I wish that I was making my way to the stadium on Thursday, so I definitely wouldn't have to watch it. So that's where I'm at there. Should be a good game for UCF, and if it's not, we will be here talking about it after. So, um, see, we have a game against Temple, and we could still hit 50 minutes on a show. That's, I think, impressive on our part. You know, we give you great content. And that's why you listen to us every week, and we appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to Charge On. A lot of great things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Exciting time. After this game, we're at the halfway point of the year. And, again, we keep mentioning it. There's a big game coming. Big games coming in the next couple of weeks. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, do all those things. We appreciate you. We love having you. Um, and stick with us. We've got some great stuff coming on down the line. As always, go Knights. Charge on. We will see you after, hopefully, the Knights beat down Temple. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit